Hi, Girl here today and super excited. I'm going to be speaking with fellow COO and co-founder of Girl, Dr. Garrett Pachtinger. And we are both criticalists. And what we wanted to do, being that we had graduated, gosh, I graduated 20 years ago. Garrett, how many years ago did you graduate? I don't want to count. It's 2005. It makes me sad. Uh, the other day, somebody asked me something about undergraduate. And I was like, yeah, just a couple of years. Oh, that was... A long time ago, so let's not let's not make me cry today on today's Becquerel podcast. But uh, it was a long time ago. Awesome. Well, you know it's crazy how fast time flies by, and as we know that a lot of schools are matriculating their new graduates, what we wanted to talk about are some general graduate life hacks, things that we hope will improve the way that you feel when you graduate and that are going to improve your quality of care. And this is really important because they've actually done some studies that have shown that compassion fatigue and burnout spike and peak when you graduate. And they're really prevalent for the first five years that you practice. But thankfully, after five years, that starts to go down. So we figured this was really important as a way of just give some advice on um, ways that will hopefully improve your quality of care. So my first life hack is work hard. Now, I know it sounds crazy. I know you guys just busted your butt upon graduating after four really rigorous years of veterinary school, but the habits that you develop within the first 18 to 24 months after graduation are so important because they're going to really influence the way that you practice for the rest of your life. This is where you're going to pick up all your habits, all your techniques, some of your modalities. So really important that you work hard in the first year to year and a half. And the reason why is because, again, depending on if you have good mentorship or not, this is the most vital time where you're going to create your habits. Garrett, what advice do you have? I totally agree with that. And summing up and moving on from what you talked about, my first point is that becoming a really good veterinarian takes a long time. It's not something that you're going to graduate with. You're not going to graduate with all of the answers, all of the information, all of the right choices immediately. As Justine was saying, in the first year and a half, two years, that's when you're going to develop your good habits and good skills, learning how to do procedures properly, not the sideways way, not the alternative way. Doing things properly that's when we're going to develop those skills. But don't expect that you're going to graduate veterinary school with all the answers. Heck, I feel like I'm learning each and every day. And Justine and I joked how long ago we graduated and we went through internships and residencies and became specialists, yet we are still learning. I always say one of the most important things is knowing where to find the answer. It's really challenging to have every answer for every disease, for every clinical sign, but getting and developing good clinical tools and skills, knowing where to find the answer, understanding that it's okay, that you may need to look something up. You may need to ask a colleague, a more senior colleague, a specialist. That's what people like that are there for, to help you grow over time. So my first point is recognize that it's okay, that you're not going to know everything immediately and becoming a really good veterinarian will take time accepting, understanding, and being okay with that. I totally agree. I will fully admit, I don't know anything about dermatology. <laughs> so, you know, there's just so much to know in veterinary medicine. There is no way you can know it all. And it's okay to look it up. It's okay to say to a client, you know what? I'm not sure, but I'm going to check for you. The second advice that I personally have is know you're going to make mistakes. 
just like Garrett said, there's no way you're going to know everything. It's okay to make mistakes. The first time I ever made a mistake, I was devastated. I actually called my old favorite professor at Cornell crying about this major screw up that I had. And his advice to me was, you know what? That's the way you're going to learn in veterinary medicine by your mistakes. Just don't make the same mistake twice. And I've never made that same mistake twice because our workaholic, you know, perfectionist personalities, we oftentimes will beat ourselves up when we make those mistakes. So I want you to take that advice, learn to let go, learn to realize you're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We aren't perfect, but don't ever make that same mistake twice. Learn from that mistake. So really important. Garrett? My second point for our budding veterinarians out there is, as Justine said, we know that for the past four years, you have busted your rear end to get where you are to become a veterinarian, which is likely a life goal for you. With that said, work-life balance is very important. And that's become a phrase, one of those buzzword phrases that we have heard over the past couple of years, along with, as Justine said, things like compassion fatigue. And so with work-life balance, I don't know anyone that has said, I have spent too much time with my family. What do I mean by that? Make sure you are giving yourself time to spend with your family and friends and loved ones. A phrase that I always like saying is work hard, play hard. Don't get completely caught up in that academic professional grind. I know it's going to feel good to go into work as a veterinarian, as a new doctor. I know it's going to feel good to get that paycheck. I know it's going to be exciting to be on your own practicing clinical medicine, and you can really get caught up in that if you're not careful. Make time for your family, friends, and loved ones. Getting out there having activities, going to the gym, going for a hike, going to birthday parties, weddings, or whatever it is, that really can help rejuvenate you. So when you go back into the clinic, you have that new energy where you're excited again to see cases rather than having that work grind where you get burnt out, another buzzword, burnt out. So make sure that you are taking time for yourself. Make sure that you're taking time to spend with your family, friends, and loved ones because that's time that Nobody ever says, I spent too much time with that family, with that friend, with that loved one. You want to make sure you have that good balance. I totally agree. No one on their deathbed says, man, I wish I worked harder. They say, I wish I spent more time with my kids. So Garrett, I totally agree with you. That said, I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, I believe it's really important to ask yourself, does this spark joy? If going to that baby shower or going to yet another wedding does not spark joy and makes you sad or makes you stressed and tachycardic because you don't have time for it, it's okay to say no. So be really protective of your time. And for me, I really embrace that philosophy. If you are shoveling down cereal, wolfing it down, standing up in front of the sink, that doesn't spark joy. So ask yourself, does this spark joy wolfing down my cereal? No, it doesn't. You know what? Wake up 10, 30 minutes earlier so you can sit down, have a normal breakfast because it may be your only meal for the day. And so, you know, really embrace that philosophy. Does this spark joy? Just because my philosophy is if it doesn't, try to triage it away or don't do it. My general philosophy is we as veterinarians, oftentimes say yes to way too much. We are so giving as caregivers. We are so compassionate that we really want to be able to make everyone happy. And you know what? You can't do that. So my little life hack, especially for new graduates, is learn to say no. 
And I always ask myself two questions. One of them being, does it spark joy? And the second one, weigh the stress to yes answer. If this is going to stress you out more by saying yes, don't do it. And a lot of us have a hard time saying no, and it's okay to just say, you know what? Let me think about it. I'll get back to you tomorrow. And then tomorrow, shoot them an email, which is way easier than face-to-face, and say, you know what? Thanks so much for that offer. I'm going to decline at this time. You don't need a reason. You can just do it by email the next day. Just say you want the 24 hours to think about it. So again, really take that time to ask yourself, is this going to stress me out more? Is it worth doing? Is it going to spark joy? And again, great way of helping enhance your work-life balance. Garrett? I'm going to jumble two things together. And they both relate to finances of that new budding veterinarian. All of a sudden, you have a paycheck. Now, granted, you may have thought your student loan was a paycheck, but now you're actually out in the real world and every two weeks, every month, you actually get a paycheck. Maybe for those first career veterinarians, for the first time in your life, you have real true income coming in. And so my first tip in talking about this new financial windfall that you have is don't, in quotes, have that doctor lifestyle right away. It's very tempting to go out there and splurge on items that you were interested in looking at or make you feel good. What I would recommend is take some time, six months, a year, two years, and really settle into your income, really settle into your job and that new lifestyle before making large impulse purchases. What you're going to notice is that as you receive a check that is more substantial, your lifestyle becomes a more substantial lifestyle. End up getting cable with more channels, an upgraded cell phone plan, the new iPhone that you have been wanting, the new computer, and you have all of these new expenses that are coming in. And so unfortunately, that bigger check usually leads to bigger expenses and a lower margin. So avoid that doctor lifestyle as you settle in to your new job, your new career, and your new life. Then when the dust settles, then consider those impulse buys. So we don't exceed our our financial income with all of these new debts along with your student loans. My second comment about finances is make sure that you find a good financial advisor. One of the biggest things that I hear from students as well as new veterinarians is, what do I need a financial advisor for? I don't have any money to invest. This is not an an investment advisor. This is a financial advisor. This is an advisor that is there to help you decide where to best allocate your money. My simple motto in life is I've been trained highly to be a capable veterinarian. What have I not been trained in? Taxes, investments, et cetera, et cetera. I want somebody who has gone through a similar training method, who knows about the financial aspect of life, whereas I know the veterinary aspect of life. I want them to help guide me. Should I pay back student loans early? Should I put it towards a car payment? Should I invest in a CD or stocks or an aggressive fund at my age? That's what the financial advisor is there to do. They're not going to judge you based on your bank account. They're there to help grow your bank account, help focus your investments, help focus your financial future. So even if you don't have 
many zeros in your bank account, still look for a good financial advisor to help you plan for your life, for your new house, your new car, your student loans, for your retirement, your 401k. Let them be there for you. Those are the specialists in the business world and the financial world. Make sure you look for a good one. I couldn't agree more. And that was actually the exact point I was going to bring up too. Now, when it comes to financial student debt, I know you guys all have a massive amount of student debt. When I graduated 20 years ago, I had 100000 and it totally stressed me out. Um, but I can say I was really unique in that I was able to pay that off in 11 years. And I did that with a one-year internship and a four-year emergency critical care residency and fellowship. And the main reason why I was able to do it was because I continued to live like a broke veterinary student. So if you take one takeaway from this podcast, please live like a broke veterinary student for as long as you can, 10 years if you can, hold off on buying that new car, skip cable for as long as you can. I only splurge on Starbucks once a week and you know I've been out for 20 years. Make sure you do things like max out on your 401k, try to save 40% of your income. And the reason why Garrett and I are both such advocates of trying to live like a broke vet student for as long as you can is because what you're going to discover is one of your biggest stressors as a new graduate is paying off your student debt. And I agree, your income just grew by 60,000. And you know that's 60,000 times more than what you were making. Make sure you take the advice from a financial advisor. Make sure you plan accordingly and make sure you max out your 401k. A lot of people don't take advantage of this. So important that while you can, you invest into Roth IRAs, you max out your employer match to a 401k. I know you feel like, yeah, I don't know anything about the stock market. I don't know anything about investing. This is so important. And I've I promise you, the sooner you pay off your debt load, the lower your stress factor. Another reason why this is important is because we as caregivers often feel, uh, you know, I'm not in veterinary medicine for the money. It's okay to make money. It took you eight years and $250,000 in student debt to learn what you do. And for that reason, I don't want you undervaluing your knowledge and your service. You have to charge for it. If you don't know anything about finances when it comes to being a veterinary professional, you should bring in four times your salary, and that's okay. So again, really important that you consider the importance of small business ownership or making money. And the reason why is that will help pay off your loans. That's going to give you the quality of life. Um, but that said, don't be obsessed about it. Garrett and I aren't obsessed about it. And you know, really important, they've done studies called the happiness factor where they find that people's happiness doesn't dramatically increase over approximately 75,000. And so we want you to be happy. We want you to have good quality of life. We want you to be able to pay off those student loans. Um, so again, just keep in mind, the longer you can live like a broke vet student, the better your quality of life. Garrett, back to you. Another tip that I'm pretty adamant on is making sure that we, while I am very into technology, limit technology at certain times. And so there's a saying that I like, email free after 10p. Nothing good happens at 11 p.m. or midnight. So checking your phone for emails every five minutes, compulsively trying to email back everybody at midnight, that's really not going to help. I don't believe that anyone is going to immediately act on an email at 1130 at night. 
it's okay to wind down. It's okay to shut off that technology. It's okay to spend time with family, friends, to watch a TV show and check that email the following morning. Nobody is going to act on an email at midnight of any significance. If it's an emergency, they should know to contact the emergency facility. It can be dealt with in the morning. We want to make sure that we get a good night's sleep so we are rested. We don't want that sort of white screen of technology to keep us awake in the middle of the night. So give yourself a time that you're going to check your email up until whether that's 8 p.m., 9 p.m., or 10 p.m., but then put that phone away. Put that do not disturb button on so you're not getting texts in the middle of the night. Close down that laptop and check it in the morning. As Justine said, wake up maybe 15 or 30 minutes early, grab that cup of coffee, have a nice breakfast, a relaxing time where you can work on your computer or you can check your emails. In fact, that's what I do. I agree. I generally try to make sure that both my spouse and myself turn off our phones um, after 9 p.m. and that we never have our phones on or near the kitchen table uh, while we're eating meals. We don't want our toddler seeing us on the phones. Um, So I think it's really important. It's okay to turn off. So if it's important, they'll call you back. My last advice is treat each patient you would if it was your own pet. And I think this is really important because as a new grad, you're taught you should do the CBC chem, UA, urine culture, abdominal ultrasound, chest abdominal rads. Well, in real life, pet owners can't afford that. And it's really hard as a new grad to realize how much you can do and how much you can't do due to financial limitations. Be able to work with your pet owners and their financial limitations as best you can. And honestly, this becomes a skill set that is really important in your first few years. Yes, offer the highest quality of care. You graduate thinking you have to do the whole ivory tower workup. And in real life, you can't always do that. Work with your pet owner, but I often will tell them when you take it step by step, it ends up burning you in the end. And obviously, I say it a little bit more PC, but again, offer the pet owner everything you can. Now, if we didn't get a discount on hospitalization, on in-house diagnostics, we would oftentimes treat our own pets differently. We might just do sub-Q fluids. We might just do a renal panel. We might do outpatient therapy. So again, make sure you provide your owner multiple options and always document appropriately. You want to make sure whether or not it's an electronic medical record or a paper record that you are documenting all your client communications. If you have two minutes in between appointments, use those two minutes to actually document client communication because you always want to make sure that you are legally protected, that you documented that the owner declined X, Y, and Z. So again, treat each patient as best as you can, but also make sure your medical record is appropriately documented. Garrett, any last thoughts that you want to leave our new grads with? I have one more. As you enter the veterinary world, remember, there are many ways that you can make your contribution to veterinary medicine and the veterinary profession. Not all of them are going to be obvious or immediate right away as a new graduate or a veterinary student for that matter. So take time as you dive into the veterinary profession and the real world, take time to find something that you are truly passionate about. That's what's going to sustain you in your career early. And that's what's going to sustain you in your career 20 years from now. Don't be afraid to take time to explore these interests. Your passion may be something conventional like clinical medicine and making a difference in that family or that patient's life. 
but it may be something different. You may decide that the thrill of the discovery in the lab may be something that stimulates you. Maybe it's managing people in a healthcare team for a pharmaceutical company. Maybe it's business related. And yes, we all know that the veterinary profession needs people who understand both business and veterinary medicine. So make sure you find something as you dive into the real world that you are excited about, something that keeps you up and pacing at night, something that's going to sustain you and your veterinary career for the next 20 years. Awesome. Couldn't agree more. Well, I hope that helps you guys. I know it's super intimidating. I know it's nerve wracking. I know it's totally exciting at the same time to be a new grad. You know what? You're going to learn the doses of metronidazole and amoxicillin and you know all those things. You don't have to stress about those things. They're, look at the big picture and remember, make sure you find good mentorship. Make sure that you take the time to take care of yourself so you don't get compassion fatigue and burnout. Try to live like a broke vet student as long as you can. Realize it's okay to make money. Again, all really important life hacks, and we wish you the best of luck with your recent matriculation. And again, hope you guys all enjoy these Vet Girl podcasts. If you do, please take the time to write us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you're listening to. And again, thank you guys so much for tuning in.